Southern Progression. We are from the Savannah, Georgia area, just as a reminder now. So the politics of this show, we're going to start changing more Georgia focus. It used to be more Tennessee focused because that's where I was, and that's where a lot of my attention went. I still talked about Georgia because Georgia is a, a big state, uh, especially last year. It was very important. In the elections we had, it was interesting to see Reverend Warnock get elected alongside John Ossoff, despite them having disappointingly liberal uh, right-wing politics. Uh, Neither candidate even supports a Green New Deal or Medicare for All, very basic reforms that are absolutely necessary for people to survive in this country. So that puts them to the right of center immediately. That's just a quick reminder. We're not talking about that stuff right now. We're going to start off with climate change, actually. So this has gone under the radar, but on June 8th, Bill Nye went into a hearing uh, called Examining Climate Change, a Threat to the Homeland. So this is a homeland security thing. The issue, emergency preparedness and communications. Uh, subcommittee is Emergency Preparedness, Response, and Recovery, 117th Congress. It took place at 2 p.m. Uh, that would be their local time. Uh, so Bill Nye was in here along with Curtis Brown. That's a state coordinator from the Virginia Department of Emergency Management and the co-founder um, Institute for Diversity and Inclusion and Emergency Management. Alice C. Hill and Pamela S. Williams, These uh, they, they work for other places, um, council and build strong coalition. The important part here is that Bill Nye is there, and that's why it's interesting that it kind of went under the radar. I didn't even hear about it. I kind of accidentally stumbled across this. So I'm going to play a clip. Uh, this is just kind of Bill Nye's opening statement to start off the hearing from his perspective. And I just think it's really, really good. So I'm going to play it and we might talk about it a little bit. My name is Bill Nye, as you may infer. These days, I'm a science educator and a television presenter. I may be known to you and your families as the science guy. I began my career as a mechanical engineer working at Boeing. My professional license is still in Washington State. I worked on aviation's FEMA acronym, Failure Effects and Modes Analysis. I was paid to solve physics problems and figure out what could go wrong on a 747 airplane. I learned a great many things. First, a modern jetliner is an amazingly reliable, extraordinarily safe machine, largely because it is subject to good regulations. Second, commercial airplanes only get into trouble when they take off with something that's already broken. A system the crew thought was working, isn't working, then several things go wrong at once. And when it comes to climate change, the analogy to things already broken, along with multiple problems developing at the same time, is compelling. Suppose Russian hackers had attacked the colonial pipeline while a hurricane was coming ashore at Gulfport, Mobile, or Gainesville. Recently, the entire state of Texas, as was mentioned earlier, was shut down because of a snap of cold weather. It was the product of years of insufficient failure effects and modes analysis. It killed almost 200 people. Along with the heartache, the cost is estimated at $130 billion. These miserable outcomes could have been avoided for a fraction of what we'll all end up paying. 
The pipeline hack was a mean-spirited thing and a lot of trouble. The mess in Texas was a disaster. But the next time, or the next times, may be much, much worse. Back in 1977, as you may have heard, I took a course from Professor Carl Sagan. It eventually led to my day job as CEO of the Planetary Society. And Dr. Sagan often spoke of what he called comparative planetology. By comparing Earth's atmosphere with those of Mars and Venus, scientists came to understand the importance of carbon dioxide and the greenhouse effect. You may have heard. Researchers at Exxon understood this too and wrote about the potential for disasters back in that same 1977. But we've done almost nothing about it. Greenhouse gases are inducing climate change here on Earth, and it's happening now on larger and larger scales. We're seeing bigger storms, more floods, more droughts, more fires, more loss of shoreline, and more businesses and people displaced as the ocean swells. Therefore, the sooner we stop adding greenhouse gases to our air, the better off we have a chance of being. If we don't stop, more of these events will happen, more of them will happen at the same time, and that will increase the likelihood of convergent problems. It was stated earlier in her opening statement, the ranking member said, we can't control the weather. It turns out we are controlling the weather, inadvertently, by accident, we are controlling the weather and we gotta cut it out. Now. Everything on an airplane, from the wheel under the nose to the light on the tip top of the tail, is there for a reason. Anything extra that you put on an airplane would add weight, which would shorten the range, make the plane less efficient, make it more costly to fly. But even with that in mind, airplanes are required to carry all sorts of emergency equipment. Life vests, rafts, exit doors right in the middle <laughs> that no one ever uses. You want the plane to have everything it needs to fly normally, but also everything it needs when things go wrong. These regulations are good. They keep us safe. So just like extra pieces and parts of an airplane that you don't need, we don't want regulations that we don't need. But when it comes to addressing climate change, regulations are essential. Having healthy neighborhoods where things do not stop working is a way to keep people healthy and working. So the couple of parts I want to touch on there, the last thing he just said while it's fresh on your brain, it keeps people working. So this is a CEO. Bill Nye is the CEO of the Planetary Society, okay? So keep in mind that in, in that framework, he is a capitalist, and I don't know what his personal politics are, and I don't care. Uh, the point being, he knows the room that he's talking to when he is talking to a largely right-wing country that values capitalism uh, as its economic system, uh, but also as an identity, we have people who are like, I'm a capitalist, I promote capitalism, and then people like me who are, who are socialists, you have communists and anarchists, and, and uh, uh, communist anarchists, you know, there's a whole spectrum, um, and he knows exactly who he's preaching to here, it's the people who currently don't believe that climate change is a thing at all, or that perhaps it's real, but it's natural, and so we shouldn't worry about it because it's natural. Um, and that's why he, he puts that part in there, I think, on purpose, where, where he says it keeps people working, jobs and working. These are some of the primary identity factors that make a right-wing person feel like they belong. They've, they've had it pounded in their heads, sometimes from birth, by their right-wing parents, where they say, 
you are your job, basically, right? They don't say it in those words, but they say, you are only as good as what you can produce for those around you, how much money you make, etc. And uh, while I disagree with, with all of those sentiments at their core, I believe more in taking care of other people. If you can produce something for society, that's great. But also, if you are unable to produce something, perhaps in, in our current uh, uh, modern day economy, a lot of the things that people can produce have no monetary value. This is where we talk about all oh, the blue-haired liberals and their liberal arts degrees and all you know the, all this stupid shit. They say, "Well, uh, you shouldn't have got a useless degree, damn it!" And all those student loans to pay for your useless degree. Now you're now you're screwed, like it's their fault. Uh, but it should not be that way either. I'm getting a little bit off track here. We're, talk, we're talking about climate change. Um, <clears throat> back to climate change. Notice that Bill Nye in this clip also mentions regulations like over and over again and how they're important and how they keep us safe. Again, he knows who he's talking to, right-wing people, probably uh, in this same... I haven't watched the whole thing yet because it's two hours long and I don't have time today to watch the whole thing yet. Uh, Bill Nye does speak a, a few more times. There's a Q&A section where there's going to be some rebuttal. I'm going to go back through it. I encourage you to look this up. If you just go to Bill Nye's Twitter, it's on his Twitter feed. He, he posted a link to this hearing. Uh, you can go to YouTube and search for uh, Examining Climate Change, A Threat to the Homeland. You can also go to homeland.house.gov. It's under Activities, Hearings, and then you'll find it. Uh, it's a recent hearing, so uh, you can find it in there. Watch the whole thing if you want to, or skip around. Just listen to Bill Nye if, you're, uh, if you don't want to spend a bunch of time listening to people in this committee who may have anti-science as their background. Um <clears throat> If you're curious about what's going on on the planet right now, if you want to know the current climate science, the best place to do it, in my opinion, is climate.nasa.gov. If you go to climate.nasa.gov, this is a place where they have taken data not just from NASA, not just from the government, and they've compiled it all into very digestible, big bullet points all over the place. There's graphs, there's interactable stuff. Uh, it's easy to understand and... Is it scary? Yeah, it's it's scary, but it should be because this is our reality. Um, so, like, they have a thing here that says machine learning model doubles accuracy of global landslide now casts. Uh, so that's kind of a big deal. So it look, looks like uh, machine learning is going to give us a more accurate depiction of how fast we're all going to choke and die. <laughs> Jokes aside. Jokes aside. Um, it's a good place to go, especially if you're online and you're talking to someone about climate change and they're doing their typical right-wing talking points that they heard on Fox News, Tucker Carlson, whatever they're listening to, uh, some old Rush Limbaugh episode where he was talking shit or something, um, Ben Shapiro, who knows, Charlie Kirk, whatever. Uh, just send them climate.nasa.gov say, look, these are the facts, period. Okay, these are the facts, end of story. You can either choose to believe them and do nothing, or you can refute them and say that those are not the real facts. And then you're just an idiot, period. I mean, facts are facts. You don't get to pick your own facts. This is what factual information looks like. It's compiled. Um, every, every fact on here, you can go to the bottom of the page, and it will have all the sources. So everything, you can trace it back to its source. There's nothing weird going on here. Um, and Bill Nye also mentions in that clip that it's cheaper to prepare 
and try to stop the effects of climate change from being so severe than it is to pay for the damage which will just go on forever and ever getting more and more extreme until we go extinct so uh, he mentions the the cold snap in Texas which actually turned into a hot snap in Texas uh, this spring where uh, there were people on Twitter saying that their thermostats had changed by themselves to higher temperatures, which is really funny. Texas is like supposed to be this land of freedom and shit. Well, it's a big land of freedom and shit until the capitalist, your your private uh, electric company, starts making changes in your life without you being able to control it. Now it doesn't feel so much like a fair system. And this is the right wing. Uh, this is the right wing deal. They say, "I don't trust the government, but they do trust corporations. The people who are trying to make money off of them is who they trust." And so Bill Nye brings it back. He says these regulations are good. He's talking to those right wingers who think that the government is constantly overreaching on every issue. They're always overreaching. They're actually mostly underreaching, right? Our government is controlled by corporations already. It has been for a long, long time. That's why we have so many problems, because they're profitable. It's more profitable to the select few at the top to have a bunch of problems for the middle class and lower classes than to take money from those upper classes, redistribute it in social programs, and uplift people out of poverty, and prepare for climate change effects. Because at this point, we've already everyone has said it, right? You can go to climate.nesson.gov right now, and you're going to get... Uh, what I'm saying here when I say it's too late or we already messed it up. We are, we're in the stage of just preparing for the effects of climate change. They're happening now. They're going to happen tomorrow. And uh, people who, who have kids today will struggle. Probably, I read something. Where was it? I read something. I think it was on Twitter. Damn it, I don't have it anymore. It said that kids born today, before they turn 30, they're going to be uh, seeing some of the most extreme weather events due to climate change that uh that were predicted in the last 20 years that's pretty shocking and i mean how shocking it's 2021 so we're talking about people who are going to be 30 that's about 2050 so that that actually fills out the timeline perfectly right it's just scary to hear someone say how far time has moved especially for someone like me who i've only i've only just now entered my mid-20s and so I have this weird thing about aging like everybody does where you kind of just sit and think about it like, damn, I passed all these milestones. This is what I have ahead of me. And one day I'm going to fucking die. So all those things together kind of make us feel weird about aging and how time moves and time starts moving faster as you age. Uh, well, time's going to move a lot faster, that's for sure. And in 2050, I'm going to be an old dude. If I'm still here, I'll be an old dude. Uh, and... I don't want to see my children suffer. So I'm with Bill Nye on this. Um, if you're one of those people who says, well, we should listen to Bill Nye. He's a mechanical engineer. He's not even a climatologist, not even a climate scientist. Uh, fuck off. He's a science educator, right? So the science produces facts, and it's not a crime for someone who did not produce those facts to then present them as facts to other people and make it digestible. So that's why we need science educators. Bill Nye is an extraordinary speaker. He has a way of reading a room, like I just mentioned. Um, and I'm also pointing people to climate.nasa.gov because, again, even though they also did not produce many of these facts that are on the website, NASA, I mean, uh, 
they cite them and they make it digestible with nice graphs and interactable experiences. Um, those are important. So please don't be one of the people who says, he's a mechanical engineer. Why do I listen to Bill Nye? Go watch that hearing. It's pretty cool. I'm going to finish it sometime today, maybe. And we're moving on. I want to talk about this whole like, Stephen Crowder, Sam Cedar deal a little bit. A little bit. So, if you haven't heard, uh, there was the, the guy from H3. His name is uh, Ethan Klein, I think. The H3 podcast guy. And Stephen Crowder. These guys both have huge followings. Like There are some rich dudes at this point. They have huge followings. Both very popular. Well, they were in a conversation, and uh, very suddenly, Sam Cedar pops in over on the Ethan Klein side, on the H3 side. He just kind of, there he was, in place of Ethan Klein, out of nowhere. And uh, everybody else has talked about this better than I will, so that's why I'm going to be so brief. Um, what happens is uh, Steven Crowder... He is visibly shooken. He is like, oh, crap, is that guy. He says, what a fucking nightmare when when Sam Cedar appears. Uh, I mean, he's just about, about to sweat. All right. Stephen Crowder was nervous. Um, anyways, it doesn't really matter. This is all, it, it's for entertainment purpose, right? A Sam Cedar and Stephen Crowder like playing these games and then saying, ha, got you, bro. Is anyone on either side of that debate, if it were to happen, going to switch to the other side based on the performance in that debate? No. When you have these two personalities like this, these are radio personalities, podcast personalities, YouTube personalities that clash, and it's like a football game. It's more like a sports game than an actual conversation on issues that's meant to sway people, and that's what blows if that debate ever really happens, then the Sam Cedar fans or the left-wing fans or David Dole types, they're all going to say, oh man, Sam Cedar smashed that dude all over Twitter. Sam Cedar smashed that dude. Steven Crowder's done. But is he done, though? No, Steven Crowder's millions of fans are going to say, nah, Steven Crowder smashed Sam Cedar. He smashed him, bro. Even after he got ambushed that one time, we still smashed him in that debate. And that's it. It's just like, I mean, even in, in a sports game, there are points on the board where you can say that team is clearly better. They played better in this game, and they won. Despite how I feel about either team, it is objectively true that that team won because they scored more points. In a debate, it's a lot more liquid than that, right? It's a lot more gray. It's not black and white. So the fans of each side are going to pretty much just kind of stay where they are. I don't see the point in doing it except for entertainment purposes, which bothers me. Do I want to see Sam Cedar dunk over and over again for an hour or so or an hour and a half in some debate? Uh, kind of, but again, just for entertainment purposes. If Steven Crowder were to absolutely thrash him, would my opinions on any issue at all change? No. I would say, well, Sam Cedar should have done a better job presenting those ideas and arguing against Steven Crowder's rebuttals and his ideas. I'm not going to change. I'm principled already. And the people who are watching a debate like that who know who Sam Cedar is and who know who uh, Stephen Crowder is, these are people who are interested in politics already to some degree, and they're going to have principles most likely. This is not a casual voter watching these two internet personalities they've probably never heard of. 
right? And those are the people that we that we should really be worried about. Not sitting on the internet, haha, I'm on Twitter and Sam Cedar get dunked on or Steven Crowder get dunked on. But instead, the focus should be on local organizing, right? We've tried federal organizing. For the most part, we've gotten our asses kicked on the left. Um, and this is not my idea. This is Chris Hedges who says that all the power is going to come from the bottom and it has to be built at the local level first. And it spreads from there. You start in your community and you, st you build coalitions. It becomes a citywide and then soon a countywide and soon a statewide. And that's how it has to be built up like that. And then you, ha you have the Georgia Workers Coalition. Then you have the Alabama Workers Coalition and the, the Northern Florida Workers Coalition or something crazy like that, you know. And then we all work towards common goals at the state level governments and maybe eventually those those new workers' rights and and co-ops and stuff become a norm and spread throughout the rest of the country. And that's that's how a movement has to go. According to Chris Hedges, it, it comes from the bottom up like that, local level, in person. He specifically says in person. This is all coming from America, the Farewell Tour, uh, the Chris Hedges book. Highly recommended. So I these these big sensationalist names and debates and ideas about debates what we should watch and uh, and dunking and you're a coward Stephen Crowder this is all nonsense to me I don't like that that's the focus how that can take over discourse in people who are interested in politics online I would rather it stay focused on hey let's actually make some changes right. I do things like I'm always writing letters to senators and shit. So I'm going to be preparing a, a, a letter to Senator Warnock. I'm a Georgia resident now. Warnock is from Savannah, which is where I live. And he does not support Medicare for all. He does get on Twitter or someone in his, in his staff is getting on Twitter for him and talking about, hey, go take the vaccine, which is great. I have no problem with that at all. Of course, you should go take the vaccine, of course. But while we're on the topic of public health, you should take it a small step further. We have free universal vaccines right now. We should have free universal health care, period, right now. Raphael Warnock does not support Medicare for all. He is an Affordable Care Act advocate, and he got elected based on that also. He got mainly elected based on people saying, if you guys get some more Democrats in Congress, then we'll be able to make some real changes. we got to try to take back the Senate. And so that's why people in Georgia largely were voting for these two Democrats, John Ossoff and Raphael Warnock, not based on policy, but based on blue and red, with the belief that hopefully some changes will, will get made in their lives and it will be improved if we give the Democrats power. But this, they've been at this for decades where they do the same thing over and over again. We get blamed. The voters get blamed for not voting. Think about Barack Obama time and time again, blaming us, the working class, for not voting when the Democratic Party presents us with right-wing Democrats, people who don't support basic reforms like other countries have, like tuition-free college and universal health care, and, I don't know, ending prison wage slavery, um, really normal stuff or in a Green New Deal, doing actual climate action, and not putting the onus of climate action on the working class because it's not their fault, because they're not causing most of it. It's corporations that cause most of the the uh, pollution that leads to uh, a rapidly increasing greenhouse effect. This is, they are the ones expelling the carbon into the atmosphere for the most part. If you cut down on the corporations, the ones who have the money to do that, 
then we've got a good first step. I think it's, what is it, 70% of the world's carbon emissions are committed uh, or expelled, rather, by 100 corporations? Okay. Well, they will survive. They have the money to build new infrastructure in their logistics and their manufacturing processes to not expel so much fucking carbon. But working class people can't do that. We can't just go buy an electric car. And even if we did, we're still going to be met with the part where we're we're fueling our car with the electrical grid which is fueled by natural gas and coal mostly coal especially where i live all right so we're back to square one right if we if we're just shifting it it's just in different places it's it's being expelled from different places but there's still carbon emissions flying out into, into the atmosphere so we have a lot of issues to solve and the taxpayer money is going towards you know, vacations for senators because they make almost 200 grand a year, and then they uh, they take big money donations so that they can get reelected time and time again, become popular names, at least with corporations, and then get paid to expel capitalist propaganda for the rest of their lives, like Barack Obama did. He became rich after his presidency by getting paid hundreds of thousands of dollars per speech. If I could go talk for an hour and get hundreds of thousands of dollars, that would be pretty badass. But I'd be saying stuff like what I'm saying right now, so who the fuck would pay me? The corporations are the ones with all the money. They're the ones who, who pay people like that to talk. It's super PACs, which are funded by corporations, corporatists. Uh, so no, no one, I, I advocate, <clears throat> excuse me, for the working class who ain't got no money. I ain't got no money for me. I'm not about to get paid for no damn speech. Okay, quickly going to shift gears a little bit. We're going to go to Representative Lauren Boebert. This is the representative from Colorado's 3rd District. She's a very far-right, young woman Republican. Uh, so her most recent deal here is... She's a sensationalist, first of all. She does things like... Uh, you know, pulling out the guns on videos and saying, I have lots of guns and freedom and awesome red meat to the base type of stuff. Well, I got a clip for you. It's one minute long. Stay with me. This is absolutely nuts. This is her priority right now with everything else going on in this country. This is her priority. Have a listen. Pass the buck to cackling Kamala. When he tapped Miss Harris as borders are, her work on the border is non-existence. It's a joke. And even she laughs. But it's not funny. This administration has not lifted a finger to end this crisis and secure our southern border. They must be held accountable. And that's why today I am proud to lead my colleagues in filing a bill to censure President Joe Biden for his dereliction of duty and failing to secure the southern homeland. And that's enough of that. I'm not going to play the rest of it because she just kind of says the same thing over and over again for the next 15 seconds and then the video is over. So uh, people in this country, in her own state even, die every day because they can't afford to go to the doctor. Okay, we have climate change on our doorstep right now saying, yo dog, you home? Um, we have a major gun violence problem in this country. We have widespread poverty. We have crumbling infrastructure. I just saw yesterday, I just saw yesterday where a bridge had collapsed in this country somewhere. Uh, 
I need to start writing this stuff down, huh? So I can give you specifics. Yeah, some bridge collapsed. Uh, I don't think anyone was hurt. I didn't see any like cars or anything on it when it collapsed. It may have been an old bridge that's not used anymore, how we decommission the old ones, but we leave them up so that someone uh, can just be out exploring history or something one day and have a bridge collapse underneath them. Really weird. We should demolish these bridges, I think. Not leave them up for years and then have them collapse one day randomly by themselves. That's kind of dangerous in case there's animals or people around, you know. We should uh, we should we should demolish them. Anyways, getting off off hand here, off task again. So uh, she wants to file a bill to censure President Joe Biden for his dereliction of duty in failing to secure the southern homeland. <laughs> that's that's what you want to punish this administration for. You don't want to punish them for not supporting universal health care or any kind of real wage increase to a thriving wage or an actual aggressive climate infrastructure plan, not the Biden plan, but an actual Green New Deal, monumental, huge plan. Uh, you don't want to get them for any of that stuff. Uh, or for both Kamala and Joe Biden both taking part in the past in creating and enforcing the, uh, the current prison system we have and mass incarceration and labor that is required and paid to just a few cents an hour sometimes. Those are all things that, and, and the whole cackling part, the cackling Kamala, the right wings thing, the far, far right wings thing is to give everybody a nickname and it catches on, it's snappy with, with far right people who just kind of want to joke about. It's a, it's a game to them basically. This is my team, I'm a Kansas City Chiefs fan. That's how they treat it, like it's a sports team. I'm a Republican, and you're cackling Kamala, ha ha ha, you're a blue-haired liberal. That stuff is funny to them. It, it just adds to the hilarity of damn liberals. I, I shouldn't make fun of people's accents, but I can't help it. I'm in the South, man. I'm in the South. I've lived here my whole life. I have to do it on occasion. It's funny. To me, it's funny. You just understand Southern people. I like you, I like your accent, and I advocate for changes every day that would improve your lives. Don't get mad at me, please. Please, I'm, I'm your friend. So, this is really interesting that she comes out of Colorado. This must must be a very rural district. Their third district must be very rural. Yeah, she's being really dramatic. I mean, you can, you can almost see tears in her eyes, you know. She sounds like she is shook about not securing the southern border. So, my view on immigration... It's pretty simple. I say, hey, come on in. The people who are trying to come here are from countries oftentimes that we sanctioned the holy piss out of. And we turned their countries into very dangerous, poor places. We did. The United States, we did that. They didn't do it on their own. Places like Venezuela. Now, the right wing loves to talk about how bad Venezuela is when I say, well, yeah, we should incorporate some social democratic policies that Europe has and uh, and and... Asia and Australia and New Zealand. We should incorporate some of those policies, you know, because it'll improve the lives of the working class. That's just basic stuff. And they'll say, oh, yeah? Well, how about Cuba and Venezuela? Got them! Dunk! Swish! Nothing but net, son! That's where they go immediately. Really, really annoying. Because the next sentence out of your mouth at that point, out of my mouth, should be and always is, well, you understand that we actually the United States, we have sanctioned those countries, and we have also tried our best to set up military coups, actual attempted military coups 
to implant our capitalist uh, governments in those places so that then you could get cheap oil. Venezuela has a lot of oil. You say, oh, I'm going to put my puppet government in over there, and they're going to sell us cheap oil. That's the United States. That's what we do. That's why some of these places are the way they are. Poor, dangerous. Uh, even even then, I mean, the people who live in those countries oftentimes have a straighter head than people here. They're at least not hardcore capitalists oftentimes. They're people who want some form of real socialism. Well, that's great. I agree with that 100%. So... I uh, don't. Please don't do the whole Venezuela thing. People are want to come up to this country to escape poverty because they're trying to survive. It's not because this is a big, great fucking place. It's because they think, well, maybe I can survive longer if I go there. I'm desperate. I think I'm going to get killed here or starve here. So I'm going to try. I'm going to move up there to the United States, and maybe I can make a decent life for me and my family. Even if we are, I don't know, you know, like fucking hated by the entire right-wing portion of the country because of the color of our skin, because maybe we don't speak English at first, uh, and because we're taking their jobs. You took my job. That stupid shit. So, Lauren Boebert is a joke. If I did the same thing as her, I could make a lot of money, you know? A lot of people on the left, if we just did the same thing as her where we... Sat around talking shit, making shit up, uh, throwing red meat to a base of people who have been trained over decades to hate socialism, communism, and immigrants. It just kind of reinforced that over and over again and become like the new face of it. You know, that's what she is. She's like the new face. And the Republicans, there are two old white guys on either side of her. And there's someone standing right behind her. It makes, it look, makes her look like she has like a taller head than she really has. I can't see who that is. Uh, but old Republican men, they're like, yeah... They're, they're using her as the young new face of the Republican Party to get more people on board with their bullshit. And th this stuff, sure, it gets people like me frazzled, but you can't go too far. You have to always remember who your allies are when you're going to be refuting some bullshit like that. Secure our borders. All right, so I was talking to somebody on here uh, on, on Twitter about it, and uh, one of the comments on that video is, it says no college education, 127 likes, one of the most popular comments on this. This is from The Hill, by the way. It's a post from The Hill. And so I I told the person, hey, that's not really, uh, that's kind of a weird critique, isn't it? To say, you don't have a college education. Ha, got him, no college education. That's a lot of the working class. What the fuck are you talking about? These are people who are supposed to be on your side. So I have to assume that this person is just uh, some kind of a typical liberal, right? Someone who hasn't struggled that much or doesn't struggle anymore. Uh, so when I, when I say that, like, hey, you, you know, people with a high school education or even sub-high school are good people still. You don't need to have a college education to go into Congress. And then some other uh, liberal suburban mom type hopped in and, told me the point is and then like change the point she said that it's that she's not qualified to be a lawmaker i agree she's not qual whatever qualified means to be a lawmaker because she on purpose ignores the needs of people in her own district 
right? The basic needs of people in her own district, the health care, your education, basic things like that, infrastructure, basic shit. That's why she's not qualified. It's not her education level. I don't care if you dropped out of fucking fifth grade. If you come to me and you tell me, hey, I want you to have Medicare for all. I'm going to fight for that. Guess what? You got my vote. That easy. Simple. If you if you get just a couple of my top issues, then you got my vote. I don't care where, where you went to school. I have never on purpose found out where someone I was about to vote for went to school. I don't give a fuck. It's about policies. I don't give a fuck where you came from. I don't give a fuck how rich you are even. I give a fuck, well, unless you're like an actual billionaire capitalist, because I'm going to be kind of curious about that shit. But they normally don't advocate for real change, right? It's normally regular people. You're Bernie Sanders types, like the regular people. In any case, uh, I try to be principled here. The point was not that she's not qualified to be a lawmaker. The point was that this person said no college education, and that was it. That was it. The suburban mom of four, apparently, uh went on to tell me that I'm not getting the point. I get the point. I get the point that you're trying to make on behalf of this other person, but that's not the point they were trying to make. They don't like this part. They don't like Lauren Boebert. That's the name. Yeah, Lauren Boebert. <laughs> because uh, she doesn't have a college education, which is fucked up. Uh, a lot of people can't afford a college education. I didn't go to college. I went to a tech school that was free because I got both a Pell Grant and a state-level technical college grant that my home state of Tennessee had. And so my college was free. My technical college was free. I did not go to a university. I did not go to a community college even because those options were not available to me because I was poor. I had to work at Walmart uh, throughout my time at tech school just so I could afford you know, to pay for my gas and car insurance. I had to delay going to uh, some kind of higher education for a whole year after high school where the typical thing is to go right from high school and then like the very next year you start college. I didn't get to do that because I didn't have a car yet. I had to go work at Walmart full-time, every day out in the hot sun. Uh, I ruined my back doing it. I did. I was the cart pusher guy, right? I ruined my back doing it because I was very small. I was I weighed like 160 pounds when I was there, and I pushed 100 shopping carts with, with, my, with my back, so with my back and my legs and my neck, and I ruined my back doing it. I have back pain uh, all the time. I'm also too afraid to go tell a doctor that. Again, that Medicare for all thing that I was talking about. I'm too afraid to go tell a doctor about that because I'm afraid they're going to say, you need surgery, you need this expensive treatment. Well, guess what? I'm then going to start having anxiety about that. I don't want to have the anxiety about it because I'm not going to be able to, I'm just not going to do it, you know? And then I'd be worried, oh man, oh shit, I really need that help, don't I? My back hurts, man. There's something wrong with me. I'll, I'll, I will not sleep for a fucking week until I kind of, come back around and say, okay, I was fine before. It'll take me a week to get my head straight again. I, could, I can't put myself through that. Uh, so does she spew nonsense, Lauren Boebert? Yes, she does. But always be principled in your critique to right-wing people. Stay true to what you believe. Don't insult their intelligence if you can. There are times when, like, is this, is this straight-up stupid? It's irresponsible. It's definitely irresponsible. But when you, when you tell a right-wing person who supports Lauren Boebert, hey, you know, she's really stupid, is that going to win them over? No. You have to appeal to them as a person. You have to draw the similarities between you and the person you're talking to. You don't insult their education level. Leave the insult out if you can. If the person you're talking to is a straight-up bigot, and a lot of people are just straight-up bigots, then it's time to walk away. You tell them, I hope you get well soon, man. 
and then you just get out of there. Consider, you know, consider listening to this podcast that I listened to that really helped me come out of my right wing depths. You know, I used to be a little liberal kid. I was a right wing liberal because I didn't know any better. And podcasts like Kyle Kalinske's, that secular talk, Mike Figueredo. And at first, the Young Turks even brought me to the left a lot more. Uh, so do that. Do that. Just point them to resources at the end of the conversation if you can't get them. Uh, just by talking about, hey, I, w- I want you to have a better life. Well, then maybe you should stay out of my damn pockets, liberal. You know, shit like that. Ooh. So... Not that anybody cares on a political show like this one, like Southern Progression, but uh, a friend and, and myself, this is a lifelong friend, this is like a little personal segment, we're almost at the end here, a little personal segment about me, something going on in my life I'd like to share. About seven years ago, I was doing a YouTube channel with one of my friends, it's really his YouTube channel that I was a guest on, I was just a regular guest on, and we're going to restart it because it's a really fun passion project that... It it brought us together, me and this friend of mine. He's probably the best friend I have ever had and will ever have. I'm not gonna name him because I don't, you know, I don't want to call anybody out. But I've known him for about ten years. He's a great dude. Uh, we've kind of watched each other grow up, and uh, there were times when we didn't talk a whole lot, mostly because you know we had different interests. Interests come and go, you know, especially when you're a teenager and a young adult. Uh, I had to focus on getting a career started. And, well, now we're going back to the YouTube thing, and it's really cool. It's a cool passion project. It's a gaming channel. If you ever want to check it out, it's called I Kepler. That's I Kepler, like the uh, Kepler uh, telescope. It's a it's a space telescope, I believe. So I Kepler, like an iPad, but it's I Kepler. It's a cool little channel. We just play games. We're not going to talk about politics on there. These are separate passion projects, you know. He he likes gaming. I like gaming, so we do that. It's cool. Come check us out if you want to. I don't know. You don't have to. It's whatever, dog. And remember, when you listen to podcasts like this one, uh, I try to keep it real, and I try to stay principled as much as I possibly can, but we all have our little biases, right? Uh, don't let listening to podcasts like this affect your mental health because we... My job here, what makes this fun for me is that I see something and I talk about it the way it is and I tell you exactly what I think about it. And that's important that I'm straight with any listeners I have. But don't ever let it bring you down and make you feel hopeless. If it starts to feel that way, turn all this shit off. I've had to I've had to do it for months at a time where I just turn off all politics because it's hard, right? When you see, you start kind of feeling good about it because everyone seems to be on the same page on some issue, but then bam, something happens like that Sam Cedar thing. You know, it, it kind of it pulls me back. It makes me kind of reel a little bit. Oh man, I feel like going backwards. We're still stuck on personalities and shit and entertainment. This isn't that important to everybody. When I see people. Uh, on Twitter saying, you know, oh, we shouldn't even try to elect Nina Turner. Some of the left, they they have just completely done away with electoral politics. But that's one of the only things we have. That, Like, like I've said before, we don't really have that strong local level organizing right now. We just don't have it. And you sitting on Twitter on your ass all day talking shit and saying, ha, you're an idiot for trying to elect people who want the policies that you want. It's like, what? Don't do that. 
that's the kind of stuff that makes me feel hopeless. Cause I'm like, what? I don't have a whole lot more than the Nina Turners of the world. I need that. You know, do I think that the democratic party is like going to change into a, a social democratic party tomorrow or when Nina Turner walks into the door, if she's elected, no, that's not how it works. Right. And, and I, I don't know. I, I support the people's party anyways. I, I, I want them to become the new Democratic Party and just replace the Democrats altogether, or the Democrats become the new right-wing party and the people, People's Party become the main left-wing. These are all like 100-year plans to me. They're all 50 to 100-year plans. I don't think I'll ever see any of this come to term. Uh, I mean, think about how long the Republicans and Democrats have been the two major parties. Long time. Long time. It can change, of course, but... Uh, Things have been about this bad before, and uh, those changes didn't happen then either. Or whatever whatever economic policies came in to help the working class were just flipped, you know, 30 years later. So I fear that cycle. Don't ever let, if you're a person, you know, you're a regular person every day, you go to work and stuff, and you're feeling kind of bad, and you listen to this podcast and it makes you feel bad, don't let it. Understand that there are intelligent people working on these issues every single day. And I think that we should we should be able to get through this. Every issue that we that we have today, we just got to keep grinding little by little, keep telling people about the things you care about and the policies that can help them and the candidates who support those policies and will fight for those policies. Find comfort in those around you in your in your hobbies, your interests. Don't get so caught up in politics or any one thing that has negative connotations which for me is politics because I feel like I'm losing all the time I'm just kind of banging my head against the wall in a very right wing country where I don't belong uh, you know just refocus take a step back take a breath refocus do something else for a while if you make music make some music do your passion project if you like cars go work on the car go drive the car you know do stuff like that Focus on your work. If you have a passionate job, then focus on that for a little bit. Don't overwork yourself. Take a vacation if you can afford it. I want you to be able to afford a vacation. To me, that's a basic human right. Uh, and we are going just like way over time here. We're at 46 minutes, so I'm going to have to go ahead and cut it off, man. Thanks for listening. If you're listening, I really appreciate it. It's Southern Progression from Savannah, Georgia. See ya. I go for what I know, doing a show for human beings. I'm guaranteed the rock to make the ladies scream and shout. I'm bound to wreck your body as they turn the body out. The body rapper, Joe Tapper, always have a form. And when you hear the biz monkey, I get the job done. Yes, I'm the MAR, but can't you know that's me? I got the stutter step to keep it, check my speed. Tennessee Governor Billy. Hey, Billy, I come here, son. Let me talk to you for a minute. Southern progression.